0: Good morning, Tejas. Welcome to your premier alternative news solution. I am Jake Ramirez and I will be bringing you daily news Monday through Friday. I'm hoping to curate news for Texans by a born and raised Texan. Today is Friday, December 6th, and yes, that means we've completed a full week of GMT. Thanks to all of y'all for listening. I truly appreciate it and I hope you stay along for the ride. Before we we begin, please go ahead and give us a subscribe so we can keep you up to date on all your Texas daily news. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for even more updates and news. Today in Texas History On this day in 1882, two expeditions, one from the United States Naval Observatory and one from the Belgian Royal Observatory, came to San Antonio to observe the transit of Venus. Such transits are very rare events that offer an opportunity of determining the distance between the Earth and the Sun by mounting expeditions widely scattered all over the world from which different tracks of the planet across the sun can be observed on previous occasions the exact moments when the disk of venus was just fully on the the edge of the solar disk were unknown because of the distortion of the planet's image known as the black drop effect for the 1882 event many nations sent expeditions to a variety of sites san antonio was considered the best observing station in north america The Belgian expedition produced many drawings of the black drop effect, both at San Antonio and at the Companion site in Chile. But these led again to an uncertain estimate of the distance between the Earth and Venus and the Earth and Sun. The American results were equally disappointing, not least because of the funds allocated by the Congress were cut off halfway through the mission. Obviously, we've come a long ways um, in these uh, stellar observations. We obviously know the exact Distance between Earth and Venus now, depending on our orbit. But it's nice to see the back in 1882 they were still trying to figure those things out. I'm not sure if the Mayans had an exact location or exact distance between the planets, but it'd be interesting to find out if they did. I told you guys that we'd be revisiting the Port Neches um, plant explosion, and today officials issued a voluntary evacuation order for the city's 50,000 residents after elevated chemical levels were detected in the air one week after the two major explosions at the chemical plant. Obviously this isn't good. This area is considered vo- pretty volatile right now because of the chemicals in the air. And a lot of those chemicals are burning chemicals that are that are damaging people's lungs through the carcinogens. I'm, I'm glad they issued this evacuation. They've detected elevated levels of 1,3-butadine, which is an extremely flammable colorless gas often used to make rubber. The reason for the recall of the evacuation is due to the high wind and the high humidity, which is going to bring all that butadine down to a, a lower level, which would reach people quicker. Now, most of us don't know what 13 3 is and all of its effects on the environment. But after a little bit of research, I found that it's a, a group one carcinogen and it can contribute to cardiovascular disease and has been consistently associated with leukemia. Now, I'm not trying to be a fear monger. I, I did a lot of research on this before I started recording this. And 1,3 butadiene is also suspected to be a human teratogen. Belong- prolonging and excessive exposure can affect many areas of the human body, including the blood, the brain, the eyes, the heart, the kidneys, lungs, and nose, the throat. And needless to say, uh, you don't want to be around that chemical because it's pretty, pretty bad for you. Now, that's what we have in a lot of the air era- around this area because of all of those plants. And these are one of those things that's con- contributing to a lot of the the health problems that people in this area have, especially with their lungs and their throat and their noses and allergies. So um, I'm glad that they issued this evacuation. I've know, I've saw a few reports where they're already recalling the evacuation. Not sure why, but they are man- managing um, the 13,000 people that are the closest to it. I think those are the people that were evacuated first. And of course, they're still monitoring everything and they're still going to Uh, do what they can to kind of mitigate the exposure to the people around there, especially the people putting out the fires and that are still at the plant. A fireball was seen hurtling across the Central Texas sky Thursday morning as commuters made their way to work. One viewer captured the meteor's descent on his dashboard camera at 5.36 a.m. while driving on Highway 71. The space rock hit the atmosphere, illuminating into a bright blue light before finally disappearing from sight. Now, that bright blue light means that it's mostly made of magnesium. I know this because I'm a nerd, and I'm always been fascinated by meteors. So the next time you look up at a meteor that you see falling, you can identify what metal or what particulate it is by its color. Now, if you see an orange and yellow meteor, that means that it's mostly sodium-based, a lot like the streetlights. That's why it's the same kind of yellow. If it's bright yellow, the meteor is made mostly of iron. Violent meteors are gonna be made mostly of calcium. And if you see a red meteor, it's, uh, which are my favorite, they can be the brightest. That's actually atmospheric nitrogen and oxygen. So, And don't forget to make a wish when you see it. A civil lawsuit filed this week in Austin challenges a state law that prohibits transgender federal prison inmates in Texas from legally changing their names to comport with their gender identity. The consequences of the Texas Family Code 45.103, the 14-page lawsuit alleges, include an increased risk of depression and greater likelihood that someone whose name does not match their identity— will be subject to harassment from other inmates and be neglected internal comfort during the time that they're behind bars. Brian McGivern, the Austin civil rights attorney who filed the petition on behalf of the three transgender women, compared the harmful psychological effects to being placed in solitary confinement. Uh, Being misnamed and misgendered as a kind of intense gaslighting that amounts to psychological torture, they say. McGivern, is in asking the U.S. District Judge Robert Pittman to strike down the 1995 Act as unconstitutional, noted that some of the other states allowed inmates ho- housed in federal prisons to legally change their names. Things that you see a lot of other states that have already adopted this and uh, remove that act so that the people in prison can change their name to their genders. But they still have to remain in prison for the gender that they're specified. So A man who is now a woman can't go to a women's prison. So it doesn't really change anything in that aspect, but it does let them identify as a woman. Most of these transgender people in prison are separated from the other population of prisoners. So I see where they're coming from, and it it is safer for them, but also it is jail. But really, it's just the name. I don't really think that um, the courts should keep them from changing their name for something that they would be able to do if they weren't in jail. But... It's another one of those cases of society kind of changing its role and kind of pivoting a little bit to to help with these people that are identifying themselves differently. I think they should be able to change their name. Texas is expected to have more ample supplies of electricity next summer as new renewable and gas-fired projects come online. According to a new forecast issued by the state's grid manager, the Electric Reliability Council of Texas, The grid manager predicts that Texas will have a reserve margin of 10.6% heading into the summer, 2% points higher than the 86 reserve margin Texas had when it entered the hot summer months of 2019. Electricity supplies were especially tight during a heat wave in mid-August, forcing ERCOT to twice-call of voluntary conservation measures. Texas will have more of a cushion this summer as a new capacity comes online, totaling at 7,633 megawatts, according to ERCOT. Most of the new generation projects are renewable and small flexible gas fire generators. One megawatt powers about 200 homes during a hot summer day in Texas. And this is good news for Texas. I mean, summer was brutal this year. And we almost got to a point where we were having rolling blackouts. You'll see a lot of those blackouts in countries like our countries in states like California and Arizona because it's so hot. I'm glad that Texas is on top of this because... It's too hot and humid, especially for us in Southeast Texas to be able to survive summers without AC. With a $1 million grant from the U.S. Department of Energy, the Cockrell School of Engineering is launching a unique initiative that aims to make the University of Texas at Austin a national hub for geothermal energy expertise and startups. The new Geothermal Entrepreneurship Organization, or GEO, will bring together engineers, researchers, and entrepreneurs to develop technologies and launch companies to help advance the geothermal energy industry. The organization led by Jamie Beard and Bob Metcalf of the Corcoran School Innovation Center aims to leverage areas of excellence in geosystems and drilling engineering at UT to spur geothermal technology developed and the mature curation of it also. The effort will engage all groups with relevant expertise within the Cockrell School, UT's Jackson State of Geosciences, and the Bureau of Economic Geology, the College of Natural Sciences, and the university's more than 20 energy research centers. Beard and Metcalf plan to complement the expertise with the vast community of entrepreneurial talent across the campus and in Austin. It's a straightforward concept. Drilling technology complex, high temperature, and high pressure wells is a core strength of oil and gas industry. Let's use all of what we've learned, the expertise of drill, for heat tapping, for the vast CO2-free, clean energy source, Beard said. We want to take advantage of Texas' existing intellectual capital and leadership in the geosciences and the drilling to build the future of energy. By leveraging technologies and methodologies developed here over the past century and building upon them with new innovations, Texas can pioneer our clean energy future. And doing this won't require a moonshot. We can make geothermal energy an ambitious utility within a decade. Now, geothermal energy is produced by converting heat emanating from the Earth's core into electricity. Countries like Iceland, where there's heavy volcanic activity, have been using geothermal energy for over a century. Um, But they can access geothermal heat sources within relative ease because they're ripe by volcanoes. UT's GEO is focused on developing and commercializing advanced high temperature and high pressure drill tools that will enable the geothermal energy production worldwide, which means the developing drill technologies that can economically reach depths of up to 30,000 feet and operate at temperatures exceeding 350 degrees Celsius. Um, the goal is to enable reliable production and use the geothermal energy anywhere in the world. Geothermal Energy offers an avenue for oil and gas companies to reinvent themselves as sustainable energy providers while doing what they do best, drilling the, the most difficult wells in the world. Now, this is a great opportunity for us to use all the technology and all of the huge, vast knowledge base of um, oil drilling and natural gas drilling in Texas to help build something that's sustainable. Um I don't know if any of you have ever seen any of this technology that they use in Iceland. It's pretty, pretty amazing. So it's basically the same way a nuclear power plant works. I've worked at South Texas Nuclear Project before, so I'm going to try and explain it the best I can. Basically, the nuclear power plant uses small little pellets to burn... um, Well, they burn those little pellets at a temperature that steams water. That steamed water propels blades... That actually give us energy it's like a little generator now these these this new technology the technology that they use in Iceland is basically the exact same thing but they don't have to drill, drill 30,000 or 40,000 feet to get to that temperature that's why it's so important that we're able to use all of the technology from oil fields and natural gas drilling to get down to the 30,000 40,000 feet air depth so that we can use the heat to basically make steam And to propel those uh generators and those propellers to give us energy if we can do this economically adding on wind and solar energy we'll never have to rely on fossil fuels again and that's that's the whole point because the fossil fuels aren't going to last forever we have a lot more natural gas than we do have of oil but again we have to think of the future we can't think 50 years in the future we need to think 100 200 300 years in the future and this is cutting-edge stuff, and um, this technology could really, really help all of the industry and the renewable energy fields in the world. What is Texas A&M uh, waiting for? Its muscular dystrophy experiments on dogs aren't working. Even after nearly 40 years, the dogs are suffering, and the whole world knows it. Thanks to PETA's vigorous ongoing campaign, and now every single dog in Texas A&M lab has had an adoption uh, adopter waiting, that adopter is none other than Pam Anderson. Now, PETA, honorary director, has been rescuing golden retrievers retrievers her whole life, and now she's written TAMU President Michael K. Young a sweet letter urging him to let her rescue the ones trapped in the school's lab. TAMU has stopped breeding the dogs who have the canine form of muscular dystrophy because PETA's campaign, now it needs to take the next logical step, which is to give these dogs a happy home to live out the rest of their life. Now, Pamela Anderson is known for a lot of wild things, but this is one of those stories I really like reading. These animals have suffered enough. Obviously, they were born with the disease, but they were bred with the disease, and she wants to give them a, a much more freedom and a much more comfort for the remainder of their lives. So it's it's one of those things I really hope that she's able to adopt all those dogs. I think it's a total of 36 dogs. Now, last night, we did have some football, none other than the Dallas Cowboys versus the Chicago Bears. I'm going to give you a little bit of a breakdown on how that game went. Most of you have probably watched the game. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys are in dire need of some changes. I mean, the first quarter they came out, they scored a touchdown. But you could obviously the Dak Prescott didn't look comfortable. He missed some pretty open passes. Luckily, Zeke was able to push through and score an early touchdown. But the Bears, on the other hand, had a ton of energy. They mostly due to probably their home field advantage. I'm assuming they... He, he, <sighs> they just wanted to win. They're both both teams are 6 and 6. The Bears wanted to win more. The Bears came out there they they pretty much dominated the first half. I believe the score was 17 to 7 in the first half. Um <clears throat> the Cowboys cannot tackle anybody. It's it's really it was really weird to see because usually the Cowboys have a really good defense and t- last night they didn't look good. I mean they were missing tackles left and right. Dak Prescott didn't look good. The team kind of looked like they looked in shock. When they came to the third quarter, um, the Bears got the ball back first. They immediately scored, and it was like 24-7. And you could look at the sideline for the Cowboys, and you could see they were all just kind of – they weren't there. They were all shocked. They were, they'd were they already lost the morale. The game didn't get any better for them. I mean, they were able to score another touchdown. They put some more points points on the board. But overall, the Bears pretty much just shut him down. Uh, Montgomery, whew, Montgomery ran all over him. I mean, that was really the, the the key for the Bears in that game was to run as much as possible because they knew the Cowboys weren't going to be able to stop him. The Cowboys could not tackle him. Um, Mitch Stravinsky looked good. I mean, he hasn't looked that good this season, but he threw for almost 300 yards. I mean, Montgomery had, I think, close, maybe close to 100 rushing yards. And Krabinski had 70-something rushing yards. I mean, it's crazy. They were able to get away with a lot in that game. I know that we've talked about Jason Garrett's job, and uh, more games like this is more of a reason I don't know if he'll be the coach for the Dallas Cowboys next year. If he is, I'm going to be really shocked. I really wish the Cowboys would go with more of a defensive kind of coach because... They're lacking in the defensive skills right now. Overall, it was a good game for the Bears. Good luck to the Bears. I don't think they're in the playoff or wildcard hunt. This may push the Cowboys out, unfortunately, if the Eagles win this game on Sunday. And that's right. I'm going to end today's podcast with a little bit of weather news. Today in Houston, we have a high of 76 and a low of 54. San Antonio, we have a nice day with a high of 75 and a low of 45. Dallas has gotten a little bit colder with a high of 59 and a low of 40. Austin is going to be a nice and sunny day with a high of 72 and a low of 44. El Paso, it's going to be a little partly cloudy, but they also got a little bit colder with a high of 63 and a low of 42. Poor Brownsville, so hot with a high of 82 and a low of 58. Victoria's going to be partly cloudy with a high of 77 and a low of 48. Carrizo Springs, it's hot again there too. High of 78 and a low of 45. Again, if I've missed your region of of Texas, shoot me a message and I'll be glad to add it to my weather report, which obviously it needs a little bit more on there. I'd like to have a couple more, so just let me know what you want to see added. Um, Again, today is uh, the first full week of Good Morning Tejas. I really do appreciate everybody listening. I know today's is a little bit shorter. i got some issues with my throat. I've had to stop between every (laughs) every article today to kind of clear my throat so I could start talking. Hopefully next week I won't be sick. I've been sort of sick this whole week and I really thank, thank y'all for sticking with me. Um, but yeah, so far I really like doing this. I'm going to continue it as long as I can. Um, but in, until Monday, y'all have a great weekend. Stay safe.